Welcome back to Talking Rugby, week five. We've made another week, Matt. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, edging closer to the start of rugby, I hope. Exactly. Every week this goes by, it's one week closer, which is amazing. Now, let's start off with some maybe different news than we've spoken about in the past, the Women's Premiership. Now, Tyrrell's Crisps have pulled out their three-year contract at the end of this season. Now, they were there in 2018, and the clubs were invited to apply for a franchise in the new competition with 10 places available, and they formatted the season differently. And it was part of a £2.4 million investment by the RFU for the women's game over a three-year period. Anyway, Tyrrells are now not going to be there next season and it's left the league without a sponsor. So what are your thoughts on this, Matt? I think at the time when it first um, first came about in, well, yeah, 2018-ish, um, I thought this was going to be a really long uh, relationship. I suppose at the time it always seems rosy, doesn't it? But... Um, I guess things change. Obviously, the the coronavirus situation probably hasn't helped things. But um, yeah, I was surprised to see it initially. But um, yeah, no, it is surprising, and it's something that's sad for the women's game because it is trying to grow so much and it needs to grow much. But let's sort of look at why it's happened. The coronavirus situation probably hasn't helped. But do you think that Tyrrells have got out of it what they wanted to get out? You know, how many people actually know that they've been the sponsors unless you follow women's rugby week in, week out? Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things, isn't it? I guess if you ask um, um, any members of the crowd and the and season ticket holders at any stadium in the Premiership and you ask them who sponsors the the women's league, um, I don't, I'm not sure how many would actually be able to tell you, um, at least straight away without giving it a good think. So that's the thing, I think, with the women's game. People know it's there, but they don't know enough about it. And let's look at Saracen's women. They are the most successful side since the turn of the century. They've secured the title 13 times. And this year, they have played 12, won 12. Surely that should be shouted from the rooftops. Everyone should be talking about this. Yeah, I mean, I've I've watched um, women's rugby on international uh, level every week, every game more or less at the last World Cup and um I didn't really know um what was what sort of who what teams were playing if as you if you like. And um further down the line now I knew they were doing really well but I couldn't tell you that they won every game uh, they've played this season. And um I think that the media perhaps needs to play more of a role in talking about the teams themselves because Every time, I, I don't want to sound harsh on it, but every time I watch women's rugby on TV, I always hear the commentators or the pundits saying how well the game's growing, how well the women's game's growing, when actually I just want to hear those sorts of stats. Um, you know, who, who's the star player? Who's the star team? Uh, you know, Tell me the background story of where a player's come from. Or Yeah, I'd, I'd like to the media to make it a little bit more about the actual game rather than how well it's growing because I know it's growing well but I want to be told more about the game I suppose. Exactly that's a huge thing especially sort of 
the majority of women's sports we know women's sport is there and we know how fantastic it is so let's get over that and let's start talking about it properly exactly yeah make make that a, an even playing field with how they how the media talks about the men's game um you know who's at the top of the stats um etc etc I mean, it's always going to be hard as well when not all the teams are full time. But all is not lost. There are sponsors out there that I'm sure would love to sponsor the women's game. And that can, you know, in turn help not only nationally, but internationally and all variations. And then also sort of weave into the men's game a little bit more and give women's game that recognition that it needs. Yeah, I think it's inevitable that the the women's league is going to grow. I think that is a really good thing for rugby and for sport in general. And then I think that would be really attractive for a sponsor, actually. I think they'd want to be associated with that really positive journey. So I, I think, I don't think they'll, they might have a bit of trouble, um, like, picking one straight away, but I'm sure one will come, come along at some point. And Sale and Exeter, they're the two new teams introduced into the Premier 15s next season. They've replaced Richmond and Waterloo. And it started, the Women's League started with sort of teams from universities playing and that sort of being the main focus. And now more clubs are having a women's team. And that's fantastic because that, again, has that recognition that they need. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think Worcester do this really well. They they associate their women's um, team with their men's team if that makes sense so mm. at kit launches the women's team is always with a player from the men's team and um, yeah I think it's that would is certainly a way of gaining some sort of awareness of the league and I think that's really really good it's a game of rugby regardless of the gender uh, absolutely well, that's yeah and that's where we need to go now we Matt and I have decided to come up with an idea that talks about all the 12 Premiership clubs plus Newcastle who will be joining us next season in the hope that in 13 weeks' time we will have some rugby to chat about. Yeah, hopefully the countdown works. (laughs) Hopefully this countdown works because by the end of 13 weeks we might need recommendations on what to talk about or you just probably won't listen anymore because you'll be bored of 13 teams that we've gone through. But... (laughs) We'll give it a go. We're going to start with Exeter Chiefs. They're currently sitting top of the table. Now, this year marks their 10th year since Premiership promotion. Let's look at their first season, though. There was so much expectation on them to sort of bounce straight down like championship clubs do. But they were determined to get there. They had an absolute dream start. Beat Gloucester 22-10 at Sandy Park for their first game. I mean... What a game to start on. And they played the reigning champions away in their second game. They led Leicester 2010 at half time, but they did lose 37 27. They beat Saracen. They thrashed Northampton at home. They beat Wasps and they finished eighth. They won 10 games. And Northampton last year finished fourth with 11 wins. So that just proves sort of the league and where they've come from. But, oh, my goodness, what a first season to have and then what a, an amazing 10 seasons they've had. Yeah, it was an, an explosive start, I suppose, a bit like a, a foreshadow of what was to come, if you like. Um, I was at that Leicester game. Um, you probably wouldn't be surprised to hear. But I do remember it. Um, 
thinking, wow, what have we got here? Hello. Um, the, obviously, they beat Gloucester the week before, and I remember them beating a big team. And then thinking, hang on, the 20 points to 10 up, what's going on here? Like, Kind of expecting the Gloucester game to be a bit of a fluke or a, a one-hit wonder sort of thing. But no, they, they really did back it up. And actually, the year after, they beat Leicester at Welford Road. And it's just incredible. Looking at them, they haven't finished lower than eighth in the league in 10 seasons. That's that's impressive. I mean, how many teams have done that? We'll, we'll look. We'll tell you next week. We'll try. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, that, oh my goodness. Eighth, fifth, sixth, eighth, fifth, and then obviously made the final four times. Now, there is something there with making the final four times. They've won it once. It's looking like they would have been there again this season. Do they have a fear of big game finals? Is there something that they can't do? I mean, okay, they lost the Saracens on all those three times they've lost. And given what Saracens are currently going through, there's a slight um, friction, shall we say, between Exeter and Saracens at the moment, as we've all heard. But is that, do you think they have the potential sort of next season to more regularly start winning these games and not being runners-up? Yes, for sure. I think um, I'm. Always, I'm a big believer in the. You have to play. You have to play a final before before you win one, and obviously they did that. Um, but then in the last couple of years they lost to Saracens. So anybody on any day can lose to Saracens. That is a it's a fifty fifty matchup. I think um, the the bigger games in Europe is um, perhaps where the question mark lies a little bit more. But yeah, with time they they will become a big big stadium big big game team and this season they're flying high at the top they're a team that is confident they're winning they maybe haven't played their best rugby all season or even this season but they're still clinical from five meters out everybody knows that if you give away a penalty don't let Exeter to kick to the corner <laughs> because 9.8 times out of 10 they're going to score from there. There wasn't there some ridiculous stat last season where they'd only gone for the post once in like twelve matches or something. That is ringing a bell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that just sums up Exeter's DNA, and it's always a sign of a good team when you know what to expect. Like they've got something that they they work on week on week in week out, and um, if you look at, at the past, um, Leicester had it, Wasps had it. And um, perhaps these days Leicester haven't got it and a, a solid DNA where you've got a foundation that you can build on it in every match. See, the interesting thing about Exeter as well is a lot of the times teams can become become predictable. So, you know, we sort of say there we know that Exeter will kick to the corner and score, but no one's managed to stop them. Like, it can be predictable as much as they want because you actually can't, very few teams stop them from scoring there, and that shows how fantastic their squad is. Yeah, it works very well. Everybody's singing from the same uh, hymn sheet. Of, it used to be Thomas Waldrum, didn't it, at the back of them all, but uh, even since uh, since he's moved on, the same result's happening, and I guess it shows their e- ethos is you know, running through the whole club. And they are trying to break into Europe, finally about to get there after years and years of struggle in the competition, which is surprising. They were in a favourable run to the final 
and they they could have got there actually yeah um it's uh, the side of the draw is um, certainly one you'd want to be on or the one you'd pick i suppose if uh, if you were if you had the choice i mean they've got a home quarter final against northampton and uh, an english team i think that really helps exeter's style of play they've had to change change their play a lot to play against the likes of french teams and and that and irish of course the irish teams as well so to play a, a game against an english club would help them particularly northampton uh, they've played them in premiership semi final last year and of course it's at sandy park where they are ruthless and then they avoid leinster saracens clement and racing in the semi final which is a, obviously a massive help isn't it huge huge help and let's look at the man at the top the most fantastic rob baxter he has been at the club for such a long time he lives and breathes that club and it is so refreshing to see an english coach absolutely thriving with a team that has such a fantastic direction but what is his shelf life at exeter can we see him sort of there for another 10 years what's I mean, it's it's going well, so there's no reason sort of to stop it. But what do you think his future is? He's a fantastic coach. Um, on interviews, he's calm and collective. He's he's got it all really. And um, but I think every coach has a shelf life at a club. Um, no matter how uh, good you are, it's going to come to an end at some point. Um, but for the time being, obviously, I can't see a way that it's going to end. Everything. They're going from strength to strength. And um, I'd certainly, at this point, say he's got three, four years left. And that is phenomenal to have a a guy who's been at that club for so long and to still be at the top of his game as a coach after, what, 10, 15 years now? That would be probably unprecedented, I suppose. Well, there you go, Exeter fans. Rob Baxter's not going for a while. <laughs> and I'm sure they'll be so happy about it because there are many, many fans across lots of teams that would love to have a Rob Baxter at their club. Now that's Exeter sorted. Last week we did our forwards team of the season. This week we've turned to the backs and it's been difficult because there have been a lot of players this season who have really done fantastic things in the short space of time that we've had. But at fullback we've gone with Charles Piertau most defenders beaten, most metres gained, absolute standout player. Do we need to say any more? He's been fantastic. Yeah, he's really been the beating heart of the back line of Bristol. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's, a, he's a quality player and uh, he's one of those higher paid players. Obviously, got quite a bit of talking point, but I think Bristol are really getting their money's worth out of him when he's playing. He's been fantastic. And on the wing, we've got Teeli Nanavaru. Well done. From, thank you. I thought that was that was a good pronunciation. <laughs> Quality. Uh, Mr. T from Northampton. Oh, my goodness. What a signing he's been for them in 2018. He just runs and breaks brick walls and his handoffs and everything about his attacking game and also defending game, for that matter, is brilliant. Yeah, he is. When he gets the ball and he's in in a bit of space, you know, it's uh, only going to end up in good things for Northampton. Uh, that it's, is very good. 
yeah, it's, it reminds me of uh, Alex Tulangi uh, a mm. lot. Uh, similar sort of style, uh, you know, when he gets the ball, he's going to go and run through that defence. You know, he's going to make metres. He is indeed an, another person that has made metres and has lit up the rugby pitch this season. Uh, uh, another winger, Louis Reese Zamet. Now, I have been following Gloucester this season and he has just been outstanding. 12 tries and 17 t- first team appearances, 15 appearances this season. He was sitting his A-levels not too long ago. He's still a teenager and he has been fantastic. He gets the ball and he goes. And yes, there are areas of his game that he needs to work on. Of course, there is. He is still so young. But to have that raw talent at his age is fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, uh, he's a lot younger than me and that's really scary to say. But um, yeah, he's he's been really good for, for the Gloucester this year. Obviously, 12 tries in... In that amount of appearances is uh, astonishing, really. He's been fantastic. Our centre partnership, we've gone with outside centre Piers O'Connor and then Rohan Vans Renberg from Sale at Inside Centre. Both of them have been fantastic, so consistent. Piers O'Connor, his, his lightning pace feet and how he can draw a defender in when he's attacking is fantastic. And Sale are just sale at the moment and they've got so many fantastic players who are doing great things and another mention that we sort of have to mention Sam James because he's been doing fantastic things as well at sale. Absolutely, sale are probably the most improved team of the year and those two names you mentioned there are going to are a part of that growth that sale have made this season I think, are they second or third at the minute? I think they finished second. A second, so uh, yeah, they're probably all eyes on a home semi for them, which would be phenomenal. And obviously, those two players are, are at the beating heart of it. And orchestrating it all at fly half, Joe Simmons, another extra player who deserves a lot of recognition and hopefully will get it internationally as well because he's still young as well, but has controlled the game beautifully and not sort of panicked under pressure. And really been consistent for Exeter this season. He's had someone good to look after, hasn't he? Look yeah. up to. Um, yeah, he's he's a quality player. Um, he's going to be around for a long, long time. I feel at uh, Exeter. Um, obviously, with his brother as well, which is uh, always a good. I think we put his brother in, didn't we? In the, yes. In the forward yeah. of the season, yeah. So we've got both of the Simmons there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He's a good player. Fly half. Um, that was fly half. Scrum half. Kobus Reinach, unfortunately, he is leaving um, Northampton at the end of this season, but he has been fantastic. He is so quick at the breakdown, spots the gap in the defence, goes for it, lightning feet, just everything you sort of want in a scrum half is him, sort of merged with every international talent you could possibly want, and Fafta Clerk sort of all mixed in as one. Absolutely, I think he's got all the qualities that you want in a scrum half. Um, you know, the, obviously the basics of passing and uh, kicking, but he's got a real sense for the try line, and uh, I think that is what that gives him a little bit more of an edge over uh, Fafty Clerk. Definitely, and also what I've loved about doing our team of the season is it actually shows 
how much talent we have in the Premiership. If you sort of look back 10 seasons ago, it's probably going to be dominated by Wasps and Tigers players. And that's no hardship. You know, they were at the top of their game. But it's fantastic that we've managed to get so many players in our team from various clubs because it shows how fantastically talented our Premiership is. Yeah, every team can beat any team now, really, uh, on their day, and that, that's a actually true saying. It is, it is ridiculously tight in the Premiership, and um, that makes it real, a real, um, probably the, one of the most competitive leagues in the world, if not the com- most competitive. And this is just another way of uh, providing evidence for that. And it's fantastic, and hopefully, it will be back soon. Well, but we will I- be back next week. And we will continue with our premiership analysis of each teams and bring you some more rugby news as it happens. So thank you for joining me, Matt. Yes, no problem. And we'll see you all next week.